0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Huron Brook Show starts now.
1: Happy Flux of July, everybody. We're back. This is the Iran Brook Show. Well, we take a deeper look at the events of the day, and, and we take a more philosophical look at the events of the day. We look at issues and history and ethics and, and epistemology. We talked about reason in the in the in the previous hour. We talked about the role of reason in the creation of America. <laughs> yeah, there would be no America today if the idea of reason as the source of human knowledge had not come back to the West. An idea. That's ancient, from ancient Rome, sorry, ancient Greece, from Aristotle. The efficacy of reason, rediscovered by Thomas Aquinas, brought into the Catholic Church during the 14th and 15th centuries, resulted in a Renaissance. Renaissance then spread throughout Europe. Ultimately, we got a Reformation, but even the Reformation was still dedicated to a particular dogma, religious dogma, that started breaking apart and shattering completely in the 17th and 18th centuries, as thinkers became more independent, discovered more truth, and as science gave them the ability to say, see, see, this is how the world works, and we can discover it through human reason. We can discover it all. And first the founders the founders understood all this, and. You know, if you look at Thomas Jefferson and you look at Washington, I mean, Renaissance men in the sense of, they 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 studied science, they studied history, they studied politics, they studied philosophy. These were great thinkers who understood the full context, the full context of what they were creating. They understood, I think, their own achievement. They were creating the first free country in human history, the first country that recognized the sanctity of the individual, the first country that recognized individual rights, that the individual was free to act in pursuit of his own rational values, that the state was there to protect his ability to do that. That's all. A protection agency. That's what government is. Protect us. Now, it does so by passing laws, passing laws that define property rights, that define boundaries, but it cannot, should not, must not violate rights. In other words, it must not, should not, cannot initiate force on us as citizens. And that's where we've gone wrong. Our government has grown. So our government is no more, no longer, you know, for over 100 years. It's no longer there to protect us, to defend us. Our government is there to help us, to, uh, to uh, take our wealth and redistribute it, to help us be good people. It's there to tell us what we can and cannot do, what professions we can and cannot get into, how much we have to pay in order to get a license to shampoo hair in California. Oh, who's a licensed this and who's a licensed that? Who's permitted to do this and who's permitted to do that? We have a government today that is not protecting our rights, but is violating them on a massive scale. Indeed, you could argue, easily, that the government today is violating our rights much more than King George ever did, and we have not started a revolution. How sad is that? How sad is that? And to the extent I think that today we are still somewhat free, because we're not very free, to the extent to today that the economy is still doing well and we're still getting richer all the time and there's still innovation and still creativity, I think it's to the extent that we're still living off of the values created by the founding fathers, the values that got this country going, the values of the Enlightenment. But those are disappearing fast. More and more people across the entire political spectrum denounce reason, denounce thinking. We should be intuitive. Donald Trump tells us there are no principles. He's not an ideologue. He doesn't believe in ideals. Whatever works in a short run, of course. Don't think about it too hard. Just go by the gut. Go by instinct. That's a rejection of reason and thinking and rationality suddenly rejection of individualism because he's not about what works in order to free up the individual he talks about what works in order to make America great again whatever that means there's only one way to make America great again it's to resurrect the founding documents to resurrect the Declaration of Constitution of the United States to understand them thoroughly and to implement them and that means that means freedom That means shrinking government by like 80%. It means phasing out Medicare and phasing out Social Security and phasing out all the regulations and freeing up the American people. It means not telling us how to use our own money. (sighs) No, we've we've come a long way, long way from Jefferson and Madison and and Hamilton and, and all those great thinkers and all those. I mean, there's nobody. There's no voice today in America. There's nobody today and the political arena there's nobody today even in the in the ideological arena other than Ayn Rand and and some of us who who advocate for ideas but we're we're tiny we're tiny there's no significant figure out there who actually understands what this country stands for what this country means what freedom means what individual rights mean i mean Donald Trump never mentions individual rights he doesn't know what the concept is in my view I don't think any of of the presidential candidates understand what it means. It doesn't come from God. Individual rights are necessity. If you believe, they're a moral principle, if you are, a moral principle. They come from reality. They come from the fact that human beings, in order to thrive, in order to be successful, must be free of coercion. That forces the enemy of reason, forces the enemy of the mind, forces the enemy of of production, of productivity, of productiveness. And therefore we need a concept that captures the need for human beings to be free of coercion. The need for human beings to use reason in order to thrive and survive. And that concept is individual rights. I have a right to live my life based on reason without asking for your permission. And that's that's a moral concept. It's not a concept that is revealed from any source. It's not a concept in some holy book. Individual rights, there is no such thing as natural law in the sense that it's somewhere out there in nature. Yeah, it is natural in a sense that as a human being, reality teaches us that we need to be free in order to thrive, that we need to be able to use our minds in order to survive. That's the sense in which it's natural. It's a natural right. But rights come from our nature, come from... The fact that we're a reason-based being, come from the fact, as Aristotle argued, that we are rational, rational animals. So yeah, America is a great country because it recognizes that. Yes, the founders were great men because they understood this principle. And we have no men like that today because nobody seems to understand this. You know so so even a, even a, a Ted Cruz Cruz or other you know real conservatives who sometimes talk about individual rights they don't have the real concepts they don't have a real understanding they don't understand where it comes from they don't understand the nature the true nature of man again as a rational being so it's very disheartening it's very disheartening you know here's this masterpiece that was created by the founders that was created by the enlightenment and it's being destroyed, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Now, I wanted to talk about, you know, one of the great contradictions of the founding, one of the real, a real tragedy, a real sad story, and that is that is slavery. And the fact that, in spite of declaring that all men are created equal, no, here for a second, I'll just I'll, I'll return to slavery in a, in a second. They didn't mean that all men are going to be equal in outcome all men have equal opportunities or any of the sloppy leftist conservative or conservative understandings of the world would equality is today there is no such thing as equality of opportunity i mean i worked damn hard so that my kids have more opportunities than other kids i wanted to give them the most opportunities they could and and i know a lot of parents and and you know what my kids have more opportunities than a kid growing up in in south central los angeles because they went to better schools, and and you're never going to take that away. They're always going to be richer kids and poorer kids, and and kids who go to better schools and worse schools. And hopefully, none of no kid ever goes to schools as bad as they are in South Central LA. Hopefully, we can improve on that. But there'll always be differences. The idea of equality of outcome or opportunity is is a is a nutty science fiction, bogus concept. And the only way to try to achieve it is by taking from some. To give to others, it's by knocking people of ability down. We'll talk about inequality. I mean, as many of you know, I have a book called "Equal is Unfair." Equal is unfair. You can buy it on Amazon. Go do it now. Any format known to man: audio, uh, you know, a, a Kindle, hardcover, softcover, anything you can get, you can get the book in. So, so go buy it. Uh, equal is unfair. So, we'll talk a lot about inequality, but I want to talk about the sense in which the founders mean all men are created equal. And, and what they mean by it is that we all have the same political freedoms, that we all should be treated by the law in the same way, and, 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 and deeper than that, that we all have the same rights, we all have the same liberties. All of us, all human beings have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No matter where they live, no matter where they were born, no matter what class they were born in, no matter how much money they have, no matter what their surname is, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter what sexual orientation they have, as human beings, as reasoning thinking beings, we have a right to be free from coercion. We have a right to pursue the values that we deem necessary to live a productive, happy life. And nobody has a right to stop us. Not the state, not the government, not our neighbors, not democracy, nobody. That's why their rights are unalienable. Unalienable. So equality for the founders meant political equality. It meant equality of rights, equality of liberties. It meant that the state could not discriminate because we're all free. And all the state's job is, is to protect us, and should protect all of us equally, the same. And yet, there's a whole group of people, whole class of people, who had no rights, who were slaves. Slavery is the exact opposite of rights. Right? Your life, in a sense, belongs to somebody else. You're owned as a human being. And we can discuss you know, w- why they had this conception and, you know, but, but at the end of the day, they compromised. At the end of the day, they gave in to slave owners, to maybe their economic interests, maybe the perception that some people had that blacks weren't human beings, but it was wrong. It was a violation of the, own, the principle that they articulated. And for that, for that contradiction, for that violation, for that evil of allowing slavery to continue, We had a civil war, 600,000 Americans died in that war, 600,000. We were a small country back then, 600,000 was even more than it would be today. Imagine 600,000 dying today in a war. And this is when we were a fraction of the size we are today. And that's because of this compromise. Because they did not take this idea of equality, of rights, of liberty consistently, did not cover everybody. But I'll say this in their defense. It is by articulating the case for rights, for individual rights, not group rights, not collective rights, there are no such things, individual rights, it is because they articulated that case. It's because they created a country based on that and proved the efficacy of that, the the, the viability of that idea. That ultimately slavery was eradicated. Without the founding fathers, without the Fourth of July, without the creation of this country, I don't think slavery would have ever been eradicated from the face of this. It. Not not completely eradicated. There's still cultures, particularly in the Middle East, that still have slavery. But from the Western world, it was eradicated because of the ideas articulated by the founding fathers. Now ideas, granted, that they got from other Enlightenment thinkers, but they put it into reality. They manifest those ideas in a country. And within a few years after the founding of America, maybe 20 years, in Britain they banned slavery, and then they banned the, the, the trade in slavery, and the British fleet went out there to stop slave ships from running. And the tide has shifted, and slowly, Slavery was eradicated, so by the late 19th century, at least in the Western world, slavery was gone as a phenomenon, a phenomenon that had existed from the beginning of time. You know, we've always had slaves. The Bible tells the Jews how to treat their slaves. There's no banning of slavery in the Bible. It's a modern idea. It's an idea of the Enlightenment. It's an idea that comes out of the ideas of the founders, the idea of unalienable rights that human beings have. And human beings doesn't distinguish between color, it doesn't distinguish between race, it doesn't distinguish between sex. Ultimately, it's the Declaration of Independence. It's the founding of this country that led to the emancipation of women. Because the fact is that the Declaration applies to all human beings. Women are human beings. So it has to apply to them. So that contradiction ultimately was done away with. These ideas These ideas at the heart of the Declaration, at the heart of the Fourth of July, at the heart of the founding of America are unbelievably powerful ideas, the most powerful political ideas in human history, based on a lengthy philosophical tradition of the Enlightenment. These are the ideas that must be celebrated. The ideas that liberate all of humanity and can liberate all of humanity. That's what we should be celebrating on the Fourth of July. That's what we celebrate here on the Iran Book Show. You're listening to the Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Best selling author, prolific media contributor, PhD in finance. This is the Uran Brook Show, the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> The Yaron Brooks Show. Happy Fourth
1: of July, everybody! We're talking here about the importance, the intellectual, philosophical, historical significance of the Fourth of July, of the founding of this great, greatest in all of human history country, because it was founded on the principles of liberty and the principle of individual rights. Individual rights, not not the kind of rights that the left particularly, but but everybody seems to talk about today, group rights ethnic rights, minority rights. Ayn Rand said, just a fact that it's absolutely true. What is the smallest minority in the world? The individual. And it's the individual that has a right. Groups can't have rights. Groups don't exist. Society doesn't exist. The public doesn't exist. What is the public? It's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of individuals. What's a group? A bunch of individuals. The unit that exists The unit that's of significance, the unit that's of importance is the individual. Only individuals think, just like only individuals can eat. We don't have a collective stomach. We don't have a collective brain. Only individuals have rights. There's no such thing as minority rights, group rights, collective rights. All that whole idea is a bogus idea that is destroying America. It's turning us into Europe and away from the vision of the founders. You have a right as an individual to live free, to pursue the values, we been talk about it all day, right? Pursue the values necessary for your survival, for your thriving, that you have rationally concluded that you need so that you can go out there and produce and create to live the best life that you can live. And today, in the name of groups, we want to stop that. You know, everybody does this. So, you know, I'm, I'm basically going after everybody. everybody talks about the public interest, the common good, what's good for America. There is no America. There is no public. There is no common. What's good for America is what's good for the individual. And what's good for the individual is to be free. Want to make America great again? Rediscover individualism. You Want America great again? Make America great again. Get rid of all the controls and the regulations that dictate to individuals how do they live their life. You want to make America great again? Reaffirm the value of real free speech. Individuals should have the right to say whatever they want to say. And if it offends you, walk away. Yell back at them. But you don't have a right to silence somebody because you're offended. You want to make America great again? Show respect for the individual human mind. Free it up. Distangle all the regulations, the taxes, the controls that restrict what we can do as individuals and can't do as individuals. Stop, Stop stealing our money as individuals. Stop taking our money and giving it to others. It It's bad for me because you're taking my money, but it's also bad for the people you're giving the money to. Because you're basically telling them they're worthless. They can't take care of themselves. They can't think for themselves. They're worthless human beings, so they need to depend on government. I say no. Every human being out there, every American can take care of himself. And if there are a few, a tiny, tiny fraction of a percent that truly can't take care of themselves, the rest of us will take care of them. We don't need government to intervene. So i'm all for making america great again I, I just don't think this crop of politicians and our president has a clue on how to do it really i don't have a clue because you need a deep understanding of what america is you need to have a deep understanding of what individualism requires and um, as we've said nobody really in the political world has that but we're trying to change that right right here on the Iran book show we'll be right back after this break
0: you're on Brooke. On the Blaze Radio Network. You're
1: on Brooke. All right, we're talking about the America that was and the America that is. And yeah, I mean, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, certainly, there were no entitlements, there was no welfare, there was no redistribution of wealth. People expected to, to, to manage well, to, to be successful in life because they were left alone, because they were free. There was some respect for the competence of individuals, for the abilities of individuals to make something of their own life. There wasn't this conception of, oh, you can't survive. I need to help you. I need to take care of you. I mean, that's true hundreds of years ago when we thought all human beings were ignorant and pathetic and, and impotent. What the Enlightenment taught us and what the American Revolution institutionalized was the exact opposite idea, the idea that human beings were competent, able, had the ability to take care of themselves. And what the 19th century, the the, the, the hundred years after the establishment of America proved to us, was that it worked. America went from the, one of the, a poor country, a third-rate colony. The British didn't even fight us properly because they didn't care that much. And 140 years later, we become the mightiest economy in the world. The the dawn of, at the the eve of, uh, the dawn of World War I, right? Mightiest military, mightiest economy in the world. Put aside military. How did that happen? How did we get from poor third-rate colony to the strongest economy in the world? How do we do that? We did that because of freedom. We did that because of entrepreneurs and businessmen, so-called robber barons who created or built this country because they were free to do it. Could you imagine Thomas Edison today? You know how many environmental regulations he would need? You know, he'd probably be shut down because he didn't wear goggles in his experiments. I mean, can you even imagine Rockefeller doing what he did back then? The environmentalists would shut him down and he created an oil industry. He lowered the cost of energy to nothing in this country. He made it possible to, to light the world, to have an internal combustion engine. Today, we demonize fossil fuels. Ooh, evil fossil fuels. But they made the modern world possible. They made you as rich as you are. So this experiment we ran, it's a founding, 140 years of freedom, relatively freedom, not, not pure freedom, not as good as I would have liked, still flaws in the system, slavery for example. But we ran the experiment and it worked, it worked magnificently well, with no entitlements, with no redistribution, with very little regulation, with very little controls, just leaving people free. People didn't starve in the streets. I mean, you could find here and there somebody who starved in the street. But that wasn't the rule. Immigrants came here, millions of them, from the poorest countries in Europe. Italy, Ireland, Jews from Ukraine and Poland. People who were ignorant, people who were farmers, people who didn't know anything. And they came here and they made a life for themselves. And within a generation or two, they were middle class. And they didn't come with their hand out. Because we wouldn't, we weren't giving them stuff. The whole American principle of self-reliance, of self-responsibility—that's what the country was built. Of. That's the idea of individual rights. You have a right, which means we're going to leave you alone, which means you have to take care of yourself. That's the point of freedom. What's the point of freedom? To give you space so that you can take care of yourself, so you can. Pursue the values you need to survive and to thrive. That's the point. Oh, no. But now we have mother government telling us what research we can do, what we can do, what labs we can work in, where we can build, what we can not build, how big we can build, how small we You know, everything. Everything is controlled. Everything is regulated. We don't have private property anymore. We need the environmental regulatory agencies to tell us what we can and cannot do with our own land. Imagine! Imagine if that was in the nineteenth century, we'd, we'd still be one of the, we'd still be a poor country. None, none of the riches we have today, are possible. With this level of control and regulation, if you start out that way, we couldn't have gotten to where we are today. If we had started out. That way, but you know, so we proved the experiment. Hundred years. Hundred years. We tried freedom and it worked magnificently better probably with more economic success than even the founders would have imagined and yet we'd be moving away from it and why for a hundred years we've been undercutting it and moving away from it and controlling and redistributing and and telling people that they can't think and they can't take care of themselves and they need the state and we should tell them what to think and we should tell them how to think it so we have to have public education because the government needs to get involved in how and what we think but how we work, how much we get paid with minimum wage laws and, 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 and labor regulations, up the kazoo. The government wants to tell me who I can fire, when I can fire, who I can hire, when I can hire them. There's no end to the amount of intervention we have today. I mean, there is, it could, get, it could be a lot worse. We could be purely socialist. We could elect Bernie Sanders to be president and then it would definitely be worse. But that's the direction we're heading, I wouldn't be surprised if Bernie Sanders a Bernie Sanders-like candidate, wins in one of our future elections. How did we get here? We got here by abandoning the idea of individual rights. We got here by abandoning the idea of the primacy of the individual. We got here by abandoning the principle in which this country was founded, the idea of individualism. Starting in the late 19th century and early 20th century, we started importing the collectivist ideas of European philosophers from Kant to Hegel to Schopenhauer to Karl Marx. And those ideas were first embraced by, by universities. Why were they embraced by universities? Think about it. When Yale and Harvard and Princeton wanted to become the top universities in the world, where did they go to hire their professors? Well, they went to Europe. And they brought them here with all their rotten ideas, with all their, their evil philosophies. And they've been teaching our kids since then. Since then, since the late 19th century, the left has dominated the universities. And the left is becoming crazier and crazier and crazier at these universities, right? So it's becoming worse and worse and worse. But they have dominated for 100 years, which has colored everything. Everything we study from history to economics to, to, to everything in the humanities, and in, 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 to some extent even the sciences, has been colored by these philosophies. And these, all these philosophers, all these philosophies want to return us to an era before the enlightenment, before the discovery of reason and individualism. They want to tell us, all these philosophies tell us, and you, you, all you have to do is walk into an English class or a sociology class or if, to some extent a philosophy class on campuses today that reason is impotent. That individuals don't know what's really in reality. They can't discover real truth. Truth, what's truth? There's no truth. There's no such thing. There's my truth, your truth. There's black truth. There's green truth. There's yellow truth. There's Hispanic truth. There's female truth. There's male truth. There's no one truth. That's what they teach us. And therefore, since the individual is incompetent, since the individual is impotent, since his mind is useless, to survive, he must rely on the group. And the group, how does he decide? How does he pick a group? Well, he doesn't get to pick. His group is genetically imposed on him. His race, his color, his ethnicity, his background. Or he can just choose a group by whim. You don't want to be male. You want to be female. You don't want to be white. You can become black. You can, you know, you can, I guess, whim. Some people even go that far. And then it's all about groups. they are no individuals. There's how to white males treat black females, and how black females treat LGBT, whatever, right? Trans, you know, and it, then it's just, and then it becomes, oh, this group is oppressing that group, and this group, it, it's called intersectionality. We'll talk on a future show about intersectionality, but it's all collectivism, one form or another. It's all turning the American Revolution on its head. The rejection of individualism for collectivism, the rejection of individual rights for the right of the group over the individual. Collectivism is the political enemy in America today. It's been the political enemy for a hundred years and we, the individualists, are losing. The founders would be horrified by the state of the world today. They would be horrified that all the discoveries All the great ideas of the Enlightenment, all the great ideas that they embraced, that they studied, that they understood, and that they incorporated into the founding of this country, all of that has been abandoned. And today, most people are just ignorant of it. They don't even know it existed. America means nothing to them, it's just another country with borders. All our kids know is that we once had slaves, we interned the Japanese. And I don't know what else, uh, you know, and and we killed the Indians. That's what they know about American history. They don't understand at the core the fundamental concepts and this fundamental, magnificent, earth-shattering, world-changing achievement that was America. I mean, not not to say that slavery wasn't an ill and we treated the Indians really, really badly and, and, and the other stuff, right? Not everything about America is perfect. You don't have to think everything about America is perfect to love the founding and to love the ideas behind the founding. The fact that we did not implement those ideas well, it's not the founders' fault, and, although it is their fault that they that they compromised on slavery. We're listening to the Iran Brook Show. We'll be right back after this break.
0: This is the Iran Brook Show. The Blaze Radio Network. you
1: on Brooks Show. Wonderful Fourth of July weekend. I hope you're having a great time and um, firing up those barbecues and getting ready for, for a fantastic celebration. My favorite holiday, my favorite holiday, my, my, my favorite day. Uh, I can't think of anything more glorious to celebrate than the founding of this country, the, the, the principles of, of freedom, of liberty, of individual rights. Uh, they, you know, they animate everything that I do. They animate my whole philosophy of life. And I am an immigrant. I, I, I came to this country because I love these ideas. I came to this country because I believe still that this country is the best manifestation of those ideas. It's slipping away. It's slipping away, and that makes me sad. And one of the reasons I do this radio show, one of the reasons I write books, one of the reasons I travel all over the world speaking is because I want to save this country. I want to save this country as an act of justice to the founders who gave us such a magnificent document and, and, and fought, fought. We're willing to give up their life, their, their, their honor, their property. We're putting all of that at stake. And what do we do? We just take it all for granted. We just cruise. And we complain here and there about our politics we go vote once every four years. Not it means anything because what is the real fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans? We pretend that we care. We go to rallies once in a while. Here were men who put their lives on the line for freedom, for liberty. Here were men who put their lives on the line for philosophical idea, for individual rights, for the right of the individual to own his own life, to to live his own life as he saw fit in pursuit of his own values, to to be to to, to Create, they put their li- lives on the line to create a country that left us free to pursue our happiness. What a noble cause! What a noble cause. What do we do? We take it all for granted and we vote it all away, and we elect politicians that are destroying everything that the founding fathers created. And We're slipping away into mediocrity, we're slipping away into becoming another France or Germany or Sweden. America's losing what it means to be America, right? It used to be. That if you lost your job in Ohio, you didn't sit around on your butt waiting, waiting for the government to bail you out. You didn't elect a president to promise to bring you jobs to Ohio. You got in your car and you went looking for a job. And if that job was across the country, you went across the country. I mean, that's what this country is about. You took responsibility for yourself. You took advantage of the freedom we have in this country and you made something of your life. But today so many Americans feel entitled. We want health care. We have pre existing conditions, take care of us. Instead of standing up on their own feet, instead of living their lives for themselves, they, you know, become dependent, entitled on everybody else. Exact opposite. Exact opposite. Of, of, of the vision the founders had for this country an exact opposite of the way Americans behaved in the 19th century. You know this country was created not through entitlement but by the hard work of individuals taking responsibility, full responsibility, for their own lives. Too many Americans have abandoned that, too many Americans that's gone and until we resurrect that spirit of personal responsibility of independence. There's really no hope. All right, I don't want to end on a, on a, on a, on a negative note. So, you know, let's just remember. Let's use the 4th of July to recommit ourselves to the fight. To the fight for individualism. To the fight for freedom. To the fight for individual rights. To the fight for America. We're losing America. America's lost. We need to rediscover it. We need to teach Americans about what America is. Today Americans don't know what America is. It's incumbent on all of us who do know to teach them. And as I mentioned earlier, the founding fathers on the 4th of July basically signed away their lives, their property, their sacred honor in the cause of liberty, in the cause of freedom. What are we willing to do? Are we willing to do any less than what they were willing to do? We don't have to take up arms now, but what we need to do is speak. Speak, speak. So go out there and speak for America. You're listening to the Iran Brook Show. Happy Fourth of July.
0: You're listening to the Iran Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network.